stay tuned now for a special KZYX News Public Affairs show on Where Did the ARPA Funds Go? Where has all the money gone? Has it gone to anything useful? Anything you'd be proud about? Anything you talk out loud about? No, it's gone to people's pockets. That's where all the money's gone. And who's got all the money now? Is it anybody you know? The one who watches the parking lot? The one who sweeps the sidewalk? No, it's gone to all the billionaires. And that's who's got all the money now. And how do you suppose to get it? Do they work for it in the factory? Do they get their hands? Good morning. I'm Sarah Reith, and we're doing a special show about the American Rescue Plan Act money, um, which I guess I have not really been informing everybody about. Uh, the American Rescue Plan Act was signed into law by the president to uh, to help local governments and nonprofits and community groups um, recover from the economic and the health impacts of the pandemic. And Mendocino County got close to $17 million, about $16.8 million. And half of it was allocated in last year and will be getting the next half this summer. And about $4.8 million has been allocated to various causes in the county. And we're, um, figuring out exactly where it went and what the plans are for allocating the rest of it and what the process for figuring out who should get it is going to be like. And I've got two guests today who are eminently qualified to share that information with us. One guest is Laura Diamondstone. She's a retired epidemiologist who worked as a researcher during the AIDS pandemic under Dr. Anthony Fauci. And she is currently an advocate for public health groups in Mendocino County, including the Promotores, which is a Spanish-language community health workers group that got started in Willits. And our other guest is Darcy Antle, who is the interim CEO of Mendocino County, and she's um, pretty widely acknowledged as a financial whiz, and she's done a great job bringing a lot of money into the county. So I'm looking forward to learning from both of you this morning. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for getting ARPA information out to the community, KZYX. And um, Darcy, are you there? Can you hear us? She's not here yet. Okay. Well, we're expecting her to come on pretty shortly, but Laura, let's start with you. Can you explain what ARPA is? It's really broad, which is kind of partly why it's easy to, to lose track of what it's for. So, so what what can it be used for, and um, and what are the provisions in there for coming up with a public input process for figuring out exactly how to use it? Well, after it was signed into law, uh, the Treasury Department issued interim guidelines for the use of ARPA funds, and that's when it got on my radar because specifically in there was two issues that I thought were really important. One was encouraging jurisdictions getting ARPA funds to um, have community engagement in the decision-making process for how these funds were used. The other thing that was very exciting was that it was intended to be used for the people most impacted by the pandemic. So, of course, um, many people were very excited about this and had 
a lot of visions and even the Treasury Department listed out lots of possibilities for how um, these funds could be used. Very, very broad categories and a lot of latitude. And then as the months or months and months came, it was very exciting, discouraging and encouraging to see websites popping up from jurisdictions with RFPs to community-based organizations, um, advocacies for advocates for housing, advocates for public health, advocates for community health workers, advocates for crisis response. Um, and uh, it was discouraging because I, there was nothing coming out of the county for people to learn about ARPA um, and, or to engage with the decision-making process. And in fact, if you ask people on the street, where do you think ARPA money should go? People, most people would respond, what's ARPA? So we haven't had, we haven't had the outreach, the information, the community engagement, the decision-making process or the transparency. So I think those are the four broad issues um, that kind of like the pandemic, the diversity, equity, inclusion lens has been missing um with the response you know with the pandemic response and with the arpa possibilities right and um we we uh we opened with a show asking where has all the money gone but i think maybe a a more nuanced question is going to be where will the money go because yes. um like we mentioned at first about 4.8 has been obligated to um to you know supporting the public health covid response that was about one and a half million dollars addressing negative economic impacts about 1.1 million dollars in water and sewer 2.2 million dollars and um we know that redwood valley put in for some uh, pg e settlement money for its water system and they ended up getting um department you know state water department grant funds for that and so we don't think the ARPA money got used for that and we know that NCO got 1.7 million dollars um, but that leaves about 12 million dollars that's gonna go somewhere and we learned that um, the county would like to use about 10 million to provide core county infrastructure resources and another 1.7 million dollars to hire staff and of course there's county staff that can do a great job providing public health services and alleviating the impacts of the pandemic which are really ongoing especially for people who just got knocked back um yes but, so the the yeah. in my head it's a it's a bizarre acronym state and local um fiscal recovery fund which in my head i pronounce slurf i was going slurf <laughs> equally basically, rolls off the tongue with equal grace <laughs> and that's basically it's sort of like your taxes standard deduction the the treasury department said you can use up to 10 million for slurf which is basically paying yourself paying your own um county salaries benefits to you know whatever the backfill 
um, rehire or hire and do whatever you want to support your county services. So that's basically more than half of what the county has, the total allocation to the county. Um, however, we don't, I don't think most people know what core services are. I, I heard Ted mention he thinks people think it's 911 um, and maybe, and that most people think public safety is the highest priority issue, highest priority core service. I don't know. I mean, we haven't had any community input about what our essential core services. In my mind and in many other people's minds, core services are services that do the outreach, do the information exchange, do the community engagement, do the accessibility, do the, the really hard ground uh, work on the ground in the troughs, getting linking people to existing services where whatever that may be like promotors like community health workers and core services could be defined as the services provided to the people most impacted by the pandemic so we need a definition of core services and and again those broad categories of outreach information, community engagement, transparency um, need to be addressed. Um, can we? Yeah, so can you give us an example of some of the processes for community input that, um, that you've learned that other jurisdictions have used? Yes, yes. Um, it's not just large counties like LA County, but if you you could do a simple Google Google search on ARPA County and find how different counties are responding. And they've for over a year there have been websites, there have been calls for proposals from from the community. There's been focus groups, um, community engagement meetings. There's been uh, special ad, uh, special input from advocates from the community invitations. There's been surveys online and in paper and in multiple languages. There's a there's example after example of how information was um, sent out to people and received from people. Yeah, and, and I remember covering the process for figuring out how to distribute the PG&E settlement funds. And I have sort of fond memories of hanging out at the rodeo grounds in Potter Valley while people made their case for why their organizations should get it. And nobody, well, not everybody was totally happy at the end of it, but I mean, that's what happens in a negotiation. But um, it's about 9.15 right now, and I just heard from CEO Darcy Antle that she's not going to be able to join us and that she sent me an email, but I didn't get a chance to check it before I hit the road to get here. Um, I want to reintroduce the topic and my guest, and we're going to also play an interview. So we're talking about the American Rescue Plan Act. Uh, Mendocino County got close to $17 million to utilize to um, alleviate the financial and health impacts of the pandemic, which are ongoing and are going to 
going to go on for quite a while, especially child care. You know, a lot of child care businesses just stopped operating while people were shut down. And now they have to start up again and on and on and on. But for my next sort of virtual guests, I recorded about a 15, 16 minute interview with several people from UVA. And that's a Spanish speaking Latino community advocacy group started out being Ucaya Vecinos en Acción, but now they've spread to Boonville and Willits. So I'm just thinking of them as an, an inland Mendocino County um, Latino advocacy group. And last Friday, I met up with several members at the plant sale at the Mendocino College, and they shared a lot of really good information that we heard a little bit of this morning in the news. So here are our our UVA guests. Hi, I'm Sarah Marshall. I'm the coordinator for UVA, Ukiah Vecinos and Acción. Hello, my name is Maria Avalos, and I am the program coordinator for UVA, Vecinos en Acción. We're talking today about the ARPA funds. It's the American Rescue Plan Act. And can you share some information about what you know about that and how it's coming down to UVA? Sure. So the American Rescue Plan Act um, is being distributed to state and county governments. Um, and Mendocino County is going to receive about $17 million in two allotments. One has already been dispersed, and I think we're waiting on the second one. Um, and the ARPA funds are supposed to go to support communities that have been most impacted by COVID. So UVA hasn't received any ARPA funds yet, but we did just receive funding from the Latino Community Foundation that is meant to be spent to advocate for the transparent distribution of ARPA funds in our community. And um, you were both looking up some numbers before we got started. So, um, so what were you finding out about the ARPA funds and the um, the interaction with the Latino Community Foundation. And can you give us a little brief description of what the Latino Community Foundation is? So this is the first round of funding from the Latino Community Foundation. It's called the Latino Power Fund. And the Latino Community Foundation is a statewide organization. More than 100 grassroots organizations applied for the Latino Power Fund, and they um, selected 35 to distribute $1.4 million um, to 35 Latino-led organizations working to secure the fair share of the American Rescue Plan for our communities. And so it sounds like there is some um, concern with how the funds are being distributed or the transparency around it, and what would, what would you like to have happen? Yes. So with the with UVA receiving this grant from the Latino Community Foundation, we hope to hire someone to become an advocate. So this person will be the advocate that will be looking into where ARPA funds in the county are going to and making sure that it is um, being equally dispersed and going towards uh, the Latino community and Spanish-speaking community. So with UVA, being a grassroots organization that focuses on helping the Spanish-speaking community and that there is um, equity, we are you know, trying to figure out where those ARPA funds are going and making sure that we are helping everyone and making sure that the, the Latino community is also being included in these conversations. And UVA has been doing a lot of work with folks who um, you know, lost their jobs, they were pretty vulnerable to 
to getting sick or getting fired. So can you talk about some of the programs that um, that you would like to see happening to help folks who've been hardest hit? Yes, so a lot of what we have been doing, especially with another grant that we are finishing up right now is the WeVax Plus grant. Uh, we wanted to make sure that the Spanish-speaking community was able to find information that was trustworthy and from a local source that so they can find the latest COVID information on where they can get vaccinated, where they can get uh, testing kits, how to order them online, because all of that information is mainly found in English, but a lot of it is not translated well, or maybe harder for someone that is mainly Spanish speaking to try to figure out and navigate. So a lot of our work with that grant was to make it easier, you know. Um, we had quite a few people calling us just trying to find information on where can they get vaccinated when all of this information was brand new and you know the county was scrambling because they didn't have enough people working and you know the phone calls were backed up trying to find someone who can adequately hold that Spanish Spanish speaking conversation and um, you know that's where we kind of wanted to step in and that is something that we want to also advocate moving forward is having that information be brought in Spanish and in a in a way that is more conversational and is more that is easier to understand from the Spanish-speaking point of view. And I've um, I've requested the information about ARPA funds from the county and from a supervisor, and, and I've had a, a little bit of a hard time. And so, have have you tried, or do you know of anybody who's tried to find out what what have your efforts looked like as you try to track down the money? Uh, so, with these things, we have been, you know listening in on Board of Supervisor uh, meetings and just trying to also understand a little bit about that. Um. Yeah, we've also, um, UVA members have set up meetings with several different Board of Supervisors to ask directly what are the plans for the ARPA funds and to advocate for the projects that UVA is developing from what we've heard from the Latino community in Mendocino County about their needs and how to meet their needs better. Just like you're saying, it's kind of hard to find the information. We haven't heard a direct answer about where the ARPA funds have been distributed um, and what the plans are for the rest of the ARPA funds. So with this position, we are hoping to hire someone that will be the person that goes to those Board of Supervisor meetings, that speaks up for the Latino community and asks for that transparency um, at Board of Supervisor meetings. So we would like, you know, we are looking for someone who is not afraid to you know go up and ask the questions and talk to the people in 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 these meetings and look for the answer like we've all been kind of <laughs> so did uva get 1.4 million dollars or was the 1.4 million dollars distributed among the 30 odd organizations that's right it was a total of 1.4 million dollars distributed between 35 organizations and uva received about 50,000 for a one-year grant period and have you applied for ARPA funds? We did submit a request to the county for ARPA funds um, back last fall, fall of 2021, um, for a project supporting Latino-owned businesses. And we actually never heard back, um, and so we've assumed that it won't be funded. And what are some things that, that you think that UVA could use the money for now that um, 
it appears that the pandemic has faded. What are some of the needs that still remain? Yes, so right now with the pandemic ending, we are still focusing a lot on health equity. So what is the Latino community looking for when they are trying to get help in the medical field, in the behavioral health and things like that? So equity, how can we better get these services in Spanish, these inf this information in Spanish and just facilitating an easier way for the Spanish-speaking and Latino community to get more help. And so it sounds like um, the language justice aspect is going to be a huge thing to tackle in the, in the future with any kind of health problem that comes down. And I'm wondering if there have been long-term effects suffered by the community that, that also need to be addressed in terms of people having lost a lot of their material support due to losing jobs or, or anything like that? This is Juan Orozco. Uh, I'm uh, UBA co-chair. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm thinking of that uh, people have lost um, is uh, housing. You know, with not having a job, not having income, you lose housing. Uh, if you're renting, of course, and even if you're buying a home and you don't have any income, how are you going to pay your mortgage? And so that is happening in, in, in the communities um, uh, locally. Uh, I mean, people don't have, uh, don't have even food, uh, you know, as, as, as well. And, and I think those, that and many other things is what UBA looks into to see how we can support the services uh, and provide those services to people. Um, you know, we look into, we look into, um, uh, like like Maria mentioned earlier, uh, health equity, um, and what what is it that the community needs, and, and we do surveys, and and then um, and then provide the information to, to to people. It sounds like there's still problems with housing and food, and people losing the essentials of life. So, is this something that can be addressed with an with ARPA funding, or how can it how can it be fixed? Well, I imagine that with ARPA funding, um, if we are not able to provide housing per se, you know, uh, at least we can advocate, you know, uh, have someone, like we're thinking about hiring someone to advocate for uh, for organizations that can, they have the money and they can provide, you know, housing uh, support. You know, we're not going to buy a house or nobody's going to buy a house for someone, but at least, you know, help them with paying rent or, or getting them in a place uh, with their family and children uh, where they can... Um, they can then get a job, you know, kind of stabilize those people, and then uh, and then they can apply for, they can get a job. Uh, a lot of times, where you apply for jobs, they ask if you have a house, if you have an address, you know, and and so once you're on the street, it's it's hard to get back up. About how many people um, have been hard hit and are still suffering long-term effects, like you just described? Well, we haven't really looking, look, looked into the, in the numbers, but I imagine that I mean I've seen I've seen uh, uh, firsthand that people have lost their their homes uh, or have to relocate, um, and I would say at least one of of say twenty people, twenty families um, that are out looking for for jobs, and and uh, I know there are plenty of jobs, but like I said, if you don't have housing, it's hard to get a job. 
Jacqueline Orozco. Um, I would like to add something about businesses. Businesses, Latino businesses, especially those who, the owners who are Spanish speakers, they are struggling a lot, uh, even though, I mean, and the hard time of the pandemic is already passed. Uh, but uh, because uh, maybe they didn't apply for the for the support, for the financial support during the during the pandemic, and now I have been seeing uh, that some some businesses they are closing because uh, they don't have a, a, a direct support, yeah, some kind of economic support for them in order to continue uh, being on businesses. Do you have any numbers on the, the businesses that could benefit from a, an infusion of money? Well, uh, I will say that it's a yeah, good number of businesses that they can uh, be beneficiated, but uh, but for some reason, maybe because we haven't, uh, we don't have a uh, an agency or organization that can spread the word that 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 they can do a, a good outreach for those. I mean, for those uh, businesses, Latino businesses that they need support, but they don't know where to find a a, a, a person. And always the struggle is that. Agencies, organization doesn't have a uh, Spanish speaker available for for those businesses owners when they call or when they try to contact the organization. And I'm an English speaker, and the only way that I know about the American Rescue Plan Act is because I go to the Board of Supervisors meetings and I read the CEO report and. A lot of people whose first language is English don't know about ARPA or how to you know, find out how they can even apply. So can you describe how you found out about it and and what the process of, of even trying to apply for it is? Um, Sarah Marshall just said that, that you applied and just sounds like the application just kind of disappeared. Well, I can speak as, a, as an English learner because I am an English learner. And I have been seeing uh, during this time that I have been living in, in the area and being exposed to English that even though uh, people who their first language is English, they struggle um, trying to understand applications or the language that and they use, I mean, uh, the government use. So that's another barrier for, for us that they, I mean, sometimes there are not accurate translations or maybe uh, we can have access to, to that information. So it sounds like the outreach in English has been really minimal and the outreach in Spanish is basically non-existent, that you found out about it through English language sources. Yes, and that's, and that's why uh, UBA, Vecinos en Acción, is doing a, yeah, it's doing a difference. I mean, uh, during the pandemic and, and before the pandemic, because we, uh, we are an organization that try to inform, educate, and organize our, our Latino community. So when will you find out if you have this, this advocate with the Latino Community Foundation funds? 
We found out last week that we were awarded the funds, and so um, in the next month or so, we'll be putting out in re- a recruitment to recruit an advocate um, to work. And UVA is fiscally sponsored by NCO, so the job application will be available on the NCO website. Well, would anybody like to add anything? So I said earlier that UVA uh, is doing a lot of things for, for the Latino community. And one of the things that we just had a, a working meeting last night, and we talked about starting a uh, doing podcasts. And uh, so we're really excited because we're going to be able to to have different topics, different different things to the to the community, from um, you know even knowing how to uh, how to vote, you know, when elections comes comes up, and and um, all different topics that that benefit the. Um, the Latino community, and uh, you know, of course, with the intent to have the community be involved in in all that's happening go, goes on in in our county, uh, and be you know, self advocates and and uh, be part of the process. Well, I will definitely want to hear more about that podcast when it comes out. Would anyone else have any last words? To learn more about uh, what's going on with Uva, you can follow us on our Facebook page, Uva Vecinos and Acción. All right, well, I'm Sarah Reith, and we are talking this hour about the American Rescue Plan Act funds. Mendocino County received close to $17 million to use to alleviate the health and economic impacts of the pandemic. And that was a recorded interview that I did last week with some members of UVA, Vecinos en Acción, and it's a advocacy group for the Latino community and Spanish speakers in inland Mendocino County. And my live guest today is Laura Diamondstone. She's a retired epidemiologist with some pretty serious researching chops, and she's been looking into the uh, the American Rescue Plan Act and what it can be used for. And, you know, I, I want to revisit a little bit of what we just heard about. This, um, this advocacy group just got a $50,000 grant to spend money to track down money, but they mentioned that the Latino Community Foundation gave out almost $1.5 million to 35 different groups for this purpose. And so it sounds like the transparency and reporting has been kind of a gap. So um, before we open up the phone lines, Laura, can you talk a little bit about um, about why the transparency and reporting is such a vital issue? Yeah, I'd love to. But I'd also like to first say um, that interview is a perfect example of what should be considered a core service to the county, Uga, what UGA is providing. Um, and I do hope that they get some support and funding from ARPA funds, which is exactly what it's they're intended for. Okay, so reporting transparency is part of those the broad categories of information outreach, community engagement, transparency reporting with the DEI lens. If, again, there are many, many examples of websites, county websites that have added a page to their basic website um, devoted to ARPA information, and and some have already done ARPA reporting to the feds. So they've included the actual reporting that they have to report to the feds, which includes who's getting the money, what it's being used for, what are the performance measures that are being tracked, 
and I, yeah, I think that's that. And it, and it's and they have it. For example, in Sonoma County, it's in English and Spanish. Uh, we need to see that. We can't, um, as as people from Uva said, what you know the 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 burden of having to review a BOS, a board of supervisors, YouTube video, and finding where ARPA is being mentioned, and then going to find the CEO report and find where the sometimes there's a chart of obligated funds and broad categories of funds for ARPA um, is, is just too, it's just too opaque and obscure. We need to have language accessible in every sense of the word information in it, in one place that, um, we can com you know, we can absorb and comment on and get information and get responses back to our supervisors who need to bring it to the board of supervisors meetings. We just haven't had that that process in place ever, as far as I can tell. And the closest I think were the the uh, focus groups, the the bud for the budget. Uh, plans and that was all in english it wasn't ever we you know only a few of us knew those were they were happening and uh there just wasn't much interaction so i think there's been minutia of incremental progress towards community engagement but it's sporadic it takes quite a bit of lobbying and it needs to be improved definitely well, speaking of opening the communication up to the community, I'd like to open up the phone lines now. So if um, our listeners would like to call in, the number is 895-2448. And uh, seven, remember to dial the area code now, 707-895-2448. And I'd love to hear ideas from listeners about what they would like to see this ARPA money going towards. And... um. Before we get a caller, Laura, um, I know that you have a lot of experience talking to various groups around the county. And what are some of the ideas that you've heard for ways that, that people think that nonprofit groups can provide some of these services to people? I I think what I've heard, I, I can't say I'm the, the very representative of a person who's talked to a lot of different organizations, but... I, I think the the idea of direct assistance to people is is extremely important. Um, I, I understand some of that has been funneled through NCO, but uh, direct assistance to people. There's been a lot of mutual aid to keep people afloat, helping to pay for burial expenses, helping to pay for rent, helping to pay for bills helping to even get access to what the state has provided um has been a real struggle uh but the but the but that's part of what arpa was supposed to can be used for is direct assistance to people and we know people are struggling we know small businesses are struggling 
So we've, we've got a call. So let's hear another what? idea. Caller, you're on the air. Do you have an idea? Uh, yes, yes, I do. I just want to introduce myself first. I'm a teacher. I teach vocational education at River Oak Charter School and at uh, the private Waldorf School in Calpella, but I've also taught in uh, the high school in Round Valley and uh, at the elementary school in Round Valley, too. And these are primarily Latino uh, kids and Native American kids that I'm uh, teaching. And what I'm teaching is woodworking. And uh, I feel that woodworking is the county's greatest uh, resource. I know the forests have been overcut. I know that the dominant uh, species out there is a small diameter suppressed growth, dug fir and pine. Uh, the pine is uh, <laughs> dying, but I was at an event on Earth Day at Hidden Oaks in Round Valley, and uh, I uh, it was a kid event. It was their Easter egg hunt, uh, their three-legged race, their race with the egg on a spoon, the egg throwing, all the fun kid stuff. Yeah. There were 250 Native American. They were all Native American people. I was the only white guy there. I mean, my, my brother was helping me set up my... Okay, display. well, caller, do you have a, a question or a, or a suggestion? I had yeah. every child in that crowd at my table. And what I had on my table was a model of what I call the Garden of the Soul. And it appeals to everyone who sees it. I displayed it uh, at well, fairs, but I've been out of uh, touch because okay. of the COVID-19 thing. I haven't been able to do the okay. not-so-simple. Well, caller, thank you. Thank you so fair. much for for calling in. Um, it sounds like you'd like some more funds to go to education and to uh, helping create, you know, alternate um, alternate building fuels but our second guest our other guest darcy antle the ceo of uh, mendocino county just joined us thank you so much welcome hi hi uh, um, yeah darcy it's interim ceo okay um, <laughs> since carmel's retirement uh last month so yes okay well we've heard some um i'm i i don't know if you've had a chance to tune in um but i was wondering if you could fill us in a little bit on um on what the the 4.8 million dollars has been obligated for because we've had some general ideas but i know that you've got some details to share yeah let me open up the spreadsheet make sure i can get it big enough for my eyesight here um so i know the questions were um at least some of yours there were around the chambers remodel um so the chambers remodel is just over 300k Okay. Um, there's a set aside for uh, HVAC, uh, heating and air conditioning unit at the jail. That's about, uh, that's going to be a match with some other money. So that's about 15000 okay. Um There's some behavioral health transportation that we had to do during COVID um, uh, related to some of the folks that needed uh, further assistance and transportation. Uh, out of the ER into a facility. And that was, uh, that, was that ARPA funds? Yes. Okay. And that's set it uh, at uh, 
that was 550,000 set aside. Um, we did get some metal, metal detectors that we needed to purchase during that time. And those are about 35,000. And then we had to do a contract due to low staffing uh, at the jail in the kitchen and the laundry. And uh, during that time, we had to hire out due to uh, COVID cases, not being able to meet the needs in those two areas. And that set aside at 500,000. I don't have all the spends up to date on this. So that's why I'm giving you those um, amounts. Um, so to the community foundation, uh, for meals, 275,000. And then we extended that 198,000 and then 66. So you're looking at just over 500,000 to the community foundation for, for um, food assistance. I believe that went to family support services uh, centers as well as food banks in the local communities. And um, NCO, there was some food and some direct assistance um, for utilities and household support, rents, kind of things. Uh, that's just over 500,000. And then there's a stormwater um, a trash capture project that's required um, of all counties to have in place. Uh, by, I believe it's December of this year. I'm not 100% sure on that date. That's 1.3 million. So this is the water and sewer infrastructure set aside. And then the fire hydrants, Redwood Valley fire hydrants, as well as locks for the fire, for 200 fire hydrants. That amount is just over 700K maybe a little more than 700 it looks like it's about almost a million in there in that area okay. so that that makes up the majority of the 4.8 that's obligated and again um you know we received the 8.4 uh last august or, or summer we'll say and then we expect to receive another 8.4 this summer the monies need to be obligated by December of 2024 and spent by December of 2026. So it sounds like we've got a little bit of time. I want to reintroduce my guests. Uh, we're just speaking with Interim County CEO Darcy Antle and Laura Diamondstone, who's a retired epidemiologist and a, a researcher. We're discussing the American Rescue Plan Act funds, which Mendocino County, um, we just heard, received half of about a $17 million um, pass-through from the federal government and will receive the other half this summer. And um, uh, Darcy, or Interim CEO Antle, um, I, I want to ask a little bit about uh, any plans for how to uh, get public input and in how to spend the remaining uh, $12 million. I, I, We heard a little bit of talk last week at the Board of Supervisors budget review, but are there, are there plans in place to, to get public input about how to spend the money? Well, at this point, we're under the direction of the Board of Supervisors, which happened in November during our first quarter report for this year, was to create an internal working group to look at how the funds could be used internally. And at this point, we have over 25K projects 
uh, or 25 million, excuse me, in projects that would be eligible for internal services. So the depart or the board would need to determine, you know, how they want to spend those funds. Now, having said that, we did yesterday announce on June 8th that uh, any nonprofits that would like to request funds, you know, out of our budget for 22-23 fiscal year, um, they would uh, ask to present to the board um, on June 8th. And we're trying to give those departments, you know, five or not departments, but I'd say nonprofits, um, you know, five to 10 minutes in front of the board at that time. So would they need to um, to submit their proposals in time to put the agenda together or um, do they just speak during public comment? Like, What is what is the process? Yeah, we would schedule them time directly in front of the board. Um, and, and of course, we're still running hybrid meetings, um, which <laughs> is is a challenge, but we're we're getting better at it. Not having had I had to do that uh, before, but um, so it can be uh, via Zoom. But we're asking that they send an email, um, and I'm going to be on the hook to get you that email here in just a minute because <laughs> I can't tell you what it is off the top of my head. Um, that uh, send us an email and we can schedule that time so that we're able to um, know who's coming in and want to request that. Um, and Laura, ideally, those would be submitted, and I don't know if we put that timeline in our request, but those ideally would be submitted by May 23rd for us to have a clear, um, you know, be able to clear the schedule and make sure that we have sufficient time. And Laura, it sounds like a, like you had a question. Oh, well, as you were looking at your spreadsheet, I was wondering if that spreadsheet could go on the county website so that people have a clear idea of where money has been spent. Yeah, I believe this was, um, this spreadsheet was attached to a, a public records request, but um, we could put it under the CEO budget um, and have a spot for it there, sure. And typically, um, we've been trying to report this, if not every month, every other month in the CEO report. And then we try to hit it in our workshops, uh, budget workshops, which we have a couple of those coming up. If that information could be centralized, not maybe not in the CEO report, but on a special webpage for ARPA spending, since it is a once in a generation lifetime windfall of funds um i think i think it would be much easier for people to track um to access and track that information would, would that be a possibility yeah i can i can check with it on that i'm i'm not a i'm omit freely i am not a tech person so um well, we have um we have one call, and we we were a little short on calls today, but we'll go ahead and and take this one. Caller, go ahead. Hi. Well, it's kind of disappointing to hear that. Um, it apparently there's no intention of seeking or facilitating actual public input. But I'll just throw out one idea because I'm sure uh, if you did seek and facilitate public input, you'd get lots and lots of input. Uh, and some of it would be good. 
anyway, mine is uh, about uh, isolation of seniors and transportation issues. And so I would just say a once-a-week, uh, maybe even a van, once-a-week van uh, from Albion, Little River, for a uh, you know, two, two-and-a-half-hour Fort Bragg trip for groceries and laundry. Right there. Somebody write it down. Thanks. I'm writing it down. That's a great hey. idea. Okay. Uh, thank you, yeah, caller. I know. Okay. <laughs> and we're we're coming right up on the hour. I guess it has really flown by. And um, um, interim CEO Antel, I'd I'd like to to ask you to flesh out a little bit what we were um, starting to talk about, where you're planning to. Uh, ask people to have their proposals in by May 23rd, and I'm wondering if there's more details available on what kind of outreach there will be, um, if it'll be in English or Spanish. And see, the CEO report has been coming out in Spanish, and that looks like a, a really, a really great step. Um, I'm just wondering what what kind of a if we can expect a blitz like we did during the PG&E settlement funds, which is one of my my favorite <laughs> memories of the pandemic. <laughs> Um, I think we could we could look at putting something together. I, I'm not quite sure if we got it in Spanish. And again, we just talked to the to the team, and I think we just as we're starting to prepare for the budget on um, on the seventh and eighth presentation, June seventh and eighth, um, we we came up with how can we focus um, all the nonprofits into one kind of area so they can all present. Um, I, I know that the PG&E thing, uh, the PG&E re- request, I think that took us about six meetings um, to get through. So we're going to look to streamline that a little bit. Um, but the email address uh, is um, CEO budget at MendocinoCounty.org. So if there's a request for funding, it can be... Um, submitted there and then we'll reach out and uh, get your documents um, what you're requesting Uh, again there won't be a lot of time but if the materials are you know legible if you attach a presentation or something we would just ask that the time in front of the board be short and short and sweet so it sounds like a fairly informal proposal it's not like a full-on a grant proposal where you have to satisfy all kinds of different things you just basically make a a good case for why you should get an award. Yeah, and and we can be clear um, as as we send out more information on the reporting requirements. The re- reporting requirements to the U.S. Treasury um, for this funding is much more strict than they were with the original round of funds, which was the CARES Act that was through the state. So. Um, this time we're working directly with the federal government before it was through the state. So the, the re, again, the reporting requirements for the subcontractors or subrecipients um, is much more difficult. Okay. Well, we have time for one more call. Hi, caller. Go ahead. Hello. Uh, this is uh, the woodshop teacher again. I might have gotten a little, a little, little excited, but the kids desperately need a vocational hands-on wood shop. When I was in school, it started, uh, you know, at the sixth grade, went through uh, the university. My wood shop teacher graduated from the University of California at Santa Barbara 
and he was a woodshop teacher. Hello, caller. I want to tell you that we are now currently discussing how you can make that proposal to the board. And so it would be great if yes. you want to do that to uh, make your proposal okay. to the board. Thanks for the call. Okay. All right. All right. Well, are there, um, interim CEO Angela, are there more proposals um, that that you have received or that the board has received that are already under consideration? Has anybody kind of kind of jumped the gun and, and jumped jumped to the head of the line yet? Right. We've had a couple um, nonprofits reached out and we've, we've directed them in the same fashion because per- currently we're under the board's direction um, to look internally first. So, you know, that's where we're at right now. Um, and then when the board considers the 22-23 budget, um, if there's funds available and left over, depending on how they want to uh, spend this ARPA money, um, there could be opportunities. So wanting to make sure everybody has the opportunity to request whatever um, they consider a need for for this coming year. But um, again, funds are tight. I would say, um, you know, we've had a significant reduction in revenues, um, mainly due to the cannabis um, and, the, and the sales tax around the cannabis industry, as well as the business tax for cannabis. Um, so those are some serious concerns we have not only for this current year, but for 22, 23 uh, going forward. So we're currently trying to work with all our departments uh, to see how we can keep them full, um, full meaning fully funded for the coming year without having to take cuts in certain areas. and. And it is likely that this board will have to make some difficult decisions as to what moves forward um, in the future and what doesn't. Um, and I know one of their priorities, obviously, is public safety, um, which includes uh, fire. And we, uh, this this year in particular, um, due to the PG&E funds, you know, over six million dollars has gone out to our fire agencies. So I know that's um, a big support of this board believes in. Right. So it sounds like um, we're going to have to wrap up pretty soon. So it sounds like if people have proposals for um, making a case for getting some of the American Rescue Plan Act funds to alleviate the financial and health impacts of the pandemic, they can send an email to CEO Budget at mendocinocounty.org, preferably by May 23rd, and that they can then make their case before the board during the budget hearings on June 7th or 7th and 8th. Yeah. And, um, and Laura, we're gonna we're gonna um, if you have a, a last maybe a one minute wrap up before we reintroduce you and move on to our next show. Sure. So the broad areas of outreach information, community engagement, and transparency. Really, this is this is an exciting opportunity for the county to really make some progress on these processes um, to reach people that are not normally reached um, by English on social media or on internet, but to really reach the entire community and get good representation and have some measures on how how that representation actually meets um, the demographics. of the county so it's not just saying the words or saying we're going to do it but it's to actually measure that it's that it's being implemented we've learned so much from this pandemic and we can learn so much from um 
how to spend ARPA funds according to community members. Well, thank you both so much for joining us. We've been here talking about the American Rescue Plan Act. It's about a $17 million award that the county got. My guests have been Laura Diamondstone, a retired epidemiologist and a uh, who did research under Dr. Anthony Fauci during the AIDS pandemic and interim CEO Darcy Antle, who came on and shared some of the details about how the 4.8 million has been spent already and shared some, some really exciting breaking news with us about how people can make their proposals and make a case for getting some of this award. And thank you both so much for joining us. And if you missed any part of the show, you can listen back to our online archive at jukebox.kzyx.org, or you can subscribe to our KZYX Public Affairs Podcast.